On last we began talking about healthy confrontation in the church, healthy confrontation in the church, because uh, whenever you are in relationship with another human being, whenever you are in relationship with an infallible, I mean, a fallible uh, human being who does not do everything perfectly, there are going to be times when confrontation is necessary. Can I get a witness? Which y'all agree with me. Y'all may want to start me, guys, if you can. Uh, confrontation will be necessary. Knowing how to do that and understanding that confrontation uh, in, a, in a healthy way is good for our church and good for you as an individual member, uh, individual believer, will help, help us to, to be able to not allow these little schisms to develop inside the church, okay? Inside of EBC specifically, okay? So we began to talk about healthy confrontation in the church on last week. Um, and we said, the first question we got to ask is, what is my motive for confronting? And we gave you some of the wrong answers are to, to make them conform to me, because sometimes people want people to act just like them. And I told you before, it's, I'm thankful that all of us are just not like each other. There's variety and there's diversity in this church, and everybody don't need to be like you. Everybody don't need to be like me. Because the question I always ask, if everybody in the church was just like you, what kind of church would we be? Would we be a broke church? <laughs> would we be a church that, that don't like certain individuals? Would we be a church that didn't like to connect with people and you just come and then leave and don't talk to anybody else until you come back next week? Would we be that kind of church? What kind of church would we be if everybody was just like you or me? And we don't want that. Okay, because we... Immediately start thinking about it. You, you, you think about your, your personality, your bent, and how sometimes you don't like certain things and certain things may need to be done, but you don't like doing those things so they don't get done because you don't like doing those things. And now the church is not doing those things that you don't like doing because everybody's just like you. And so we don't need to be just like each other. So God puts diversity of gifts in the body and he puts diversity of personality. So when you confront, the wrong, the wrong reason to confront is to make them conform to you. Or uh, another reason, wrong reason we said was we don't accept their differences or or we confront to get our own way or to keep them from making you mad or to vent frustration on them and make make you feel better about yourself. okay? or to pay them back. You don't confront to pay somebody back or to uh, control them or to make them fear you. Those are wrong reasons. But the correct answer is, is to protect them, to build our relationship, to discover the whole truth, to prevent unrighteous thoughts and feelings, to keep others from being harmed and to obey God and glorify him. That's why we want to confront. That should be our motivation. OK, y'all with me. Today? Um, and so we talked about, is it an important enough issue to confront and do I have a platform for confronting them? And am I prepared for positive confrontation? Look at look at that D part. There. I want to look at that and I want I want you to go with me. I want to look at uh, a classic confrontation that took place in the book of Acts. Uh, and we're going to go to Acts, the 15th chapter. And we're going to look at uh, two individuals who were in the church doing the work of ministry. But they had uh, uh, a, a very, uh, I want to say, a, a heated disagreement about an individual. OK, so but but look at part D here. We said that. If we're going to prepare for positive confrontation, if we're going to have healthy confrontation in the church, the first thing that you must do and I must do uh, before we confront somebody or confront an issue is have we prayed? 
you'd be surprised at the number of people who don't pray about an action before they take it. Don't consult the Lord. Just move out of your emotions and your feelings. Anybody been guilty of that? Moving out of your emotions and your feelings, not giving it serious prayer time, not really trying to understand what God is trying to do through you. Don't ever be guilty of moving solely out of your emotions. First of all, pray. Everybody say pray. pray. So I got to ask, ask the question, am I prayed? And, and, and the second thing is real key, key here. Are my emotions under control? When you go to confront someone, whether someone in your household, in the church, or at work, or uh, have I got my emotions under control? How many of y'all have ever did something out of your emotions and you regretted it later? Anybody in the house? See, as believers, I got to ask myself the question, okay, have, have, I, have I calmed down? Have I got my, my emotions under control? Because I don't want to go confront somebody and I'm, I'm all mad and angry and upset. Because something's going to come out, something's going to be said that's not going to be God-honoring. And it's hard to take those words back once they leave your mouth, right? Death and life is in the power of tongue, and the words that we speak can kill a relationship. So are my emotions under control? Do I see the good in this person or in the people that I'm confronting? See, just because you're confronting an issue don't mean that person is a, is a terrible person. Is you just confronting an issue that you got to deal with? And am I am I am I going to am I going into this conflict to win, or am I going into this conflict to do God's will? What is it? Are you trying to win an argument, or are you trying to do God's will? And we said, am I open to correction and or greater enlightenment that may come out of that confrontation? Because sometimes we don't know all this, the story. Okay. Now go to Acts the fifteenth chapter. I want to look at this right quick, and then we'll come back and and talk about some other points here that, that can help us because we said, I told you on last week there were five basic types of confrontation personal or relational uh, sin confrontations uh, which again, when you're confronting somebody about a sin it should be done privately, okay officially and then publicly alright, uh, Jesus gave us the, the blueprint for doing that there's an alt between you and the brother, you go to him what? one on one, alone if he hears you, you gain the brother if he doesn't then you take two or three more spiritual people with. How many of y'all really follow that? I want to know in this church, how many of y'all really follow that, 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 that the, the unadulterated, clearly lined out way that we should go to people when it's offense or uh, somebody's offended us, somebody sinned against us. We go based on what Jesus said, but I can't tell you the number of Christians who fail to follow that mandate. And we wonder why it doesn't work out. Let's do it God's way and watch him, amen, help us get through this thing and we'll be, we'll be a healthy church, okay? Because some of y'all sitting there right now uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know the individual, but I, I can surmise because I, I've been around a long time, I've been past a long time and, I, and I've talked to enough, enough of y'all. Some of y'all are very skittish about addressing issues in a biblical manner. Some of y'all are very skittish about addressing an issue where maybe your emotions are feeling a certain way or maybe you're offended by something. So you just, you just, you just let it kind of die, you kind of die down and it settle down inside. And what it begins to happen, you pack it down and then a root of bitterness begins to rise up. I don't want anybody in this church to become bitter. Okay. We want to become better. And the way to become better is learning how to confront healthily. Okay. Cause we want a healthy church. Don't y'all want a healthy church? We don't want a, a totally dysfunctional church where everybody is all thrown off. We want to be together, right? Doing the work of the ministry. 
So let's go to Mark, I mean, Acts the 15th chapter, verse number 36. And let's look at this right quick. And we're going to chew on this just a little bit. And, and I want to chew on this a little bit to let you know that just because you're growing spiritually don't mean that you won't have confrontation. Okay? Just because you speak in tongues and teach Bible class don't mean that you're not going to have an occasion to have disagreement with someone in the church. All right? Don't mean we have to fall out. Don't mean we have to go our separate ways in the sense of we never reconcile. It doesn't have to be that way, but oftentimes in the church that happens. Okay? Now, when we get to this text in Acts 15, this, this setting takes place just before Paul uh, leads on his second missionary journey. And while he and Barnabas put their affairs in order and plan out this mission trip, amen, a disagreement arose between them regarding whether or not John Mark should accompany them. Look at what the text says here in verse number 36. Are y'all there? Let's read together. It says, what? After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Now, this, look at what Paul is doing here because Paul understood that, that it's more than just getting them down the aisle. It's more than just getting them baptized because if you get somebody to walk the aisle, give the preacher their hand, confess Christ as their Lord and Savior, come on, uh, but, and, but we, and then we just kind of throw them out there and say, go to work, without ever discipling them, without ever checking on them, you're, you're really looking for a, a, a new convert, especially to stay a baby, if you just leave them alone like that. So Paul is saying here, let's go and check on these folks who we minister to. Watch this. Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Verse number 37. Let's read. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along who? They were kinfolk, by the way. I think Barnabas was his uncle, John Mark's uncle. So they were kin, all right? Everybody said they were kinfolk. All right, now watch this next verse says what? But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. In other words, the Greek word that's used here uh, signifies a strong disagreement, Okay. There's a sudden, strong disagreement that's happening between uh, Barnabas and Paul here, okay? The text says in verse number 39, let's read together. It says what? Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed what? To Cyprus, okay? And the next verse says, Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Now, again, let's, let's park this for a second. Paul's issue with Mark, John Mark here. Let's look at it. So, so uh, we know Paul and Barnabas disagreed over whether or not John Mark should be taken with them. But if you go back with me, uh, we'll see the, the kind of the roots of this in Acts 13 and 13. Go to Acts 13, chapter verse number 13. Okay? Acts 13 and 13 says this. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and did what? And returned to Jerusalem. Okay? Now there's some some who studied this have speculated. We don't really know why he returned back, but some speculated about the possibility that John Mark 
left them and returned to Jerusalem to kind of sound the alarm bells to the church back in Jerusalem, reporting that Paul had received Gentiles apart from uh, going through the synagogue. In other words, Paul was ministering to Gentiles and he was not requiring them to, to follow some of the tenets of the Mosaic law. Because remember, when the church was coming together, you had Jew and Gentile coming together into this one institution, this new institution that's called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you had those with Jewish backgrounds and those who were saved, but still wanted to require people to be circumcised. Still wanted to require people to have certain dietary restrictions, uh, Tiffany. Still wanted people to still observe certain holy days. And those folks were called Judaizers. Everybody said Judaizers. So these Judaizers wanted to wanted to have. Am I okay? Everybody okay? I hear somebody talking loud. Is that okay? Okay. There. Uh, is, is that me? Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so, Paul. Uh, so, so these Judaizers were trying to get. Uh, hang on one second, guys. So these Judaizers were trying to get, uh, trying to get the Gentiles to actually uh, get circumcised observe certain holy days, and that type thing as the litmus test for their salvation. Are y'all with me? It's similar to the day that there's, there are some people in certain denominations that have certain litmus tests. There are some who will tell you, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Now, that's not biblical. I mean, thank God for the speaking. I speak in other tongues, but tongues is not a prerequisite of being saved. Are y'all with me today? There are some who will tell you that, that if you... If, if you uh, if you wear a dress, ladies, that you're not saved, something wrong with you, not spiritual. So your outward dress has nothing to do with your holy, uh, 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 your, your, your holiness. It has everything to do with just how you dress. You're always dressed in moderation, but your outward dress has nothing to do with whether or not you're holy or not. Y'all with me? So that's, that's what was happening. And so we look at this thing. So some thought that maybe uh, because of that, uh, John Mark went back to tell on Paul. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But 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 if you go, if you go to if we we're going to Acts the 15 chapter, if Mark did, in fact, alarm the church, it may have stirred up the controversy that we find later on in Acts the 15 chapter, Acts 15 and one right quick. So we have a disagreement going on here. But still, the work of the ministry is carried on. And, 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 and again, remember, John Mark had turned away from him when they uh, when they went to go. Uh, on a second missionary journey. And so Paul says, I, he's not reliable. I'm not going to bring him with us. The text says this. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Watch this. Here's what I was talking about earlier. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, listen, listen. They were saying you can't be saved. Watch this now. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse number two, let's read. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to where? Back to the mother church, okay, to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question, whether or not you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. All right, there's a lot of stuff that's out there, okay? Some say, unless you say, in the name of Jesus, when you baptize a person, they're not saved, okay? Some of my Pentecostal brothers have that, not all, but some uh, uh, will say, if you don't say, in the name of Jesus, when you duck them, 
they ain't got it. All right? Watch this. Watch this. Verse number three. Let's read. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. Now, remember this. When the church first started, there's a little bit of prejudice there because there were the Jews who were God's chosen people. Some thought that they had a patent on God. Some thought that, that unless you adhere to every tenet of Judaism, including circumcision, including dietary restriction, including observing certain holy days, you cannot be saved. So Paul was not teaching that as he went to the Gentiles. Watch this now. They told him, must everyone enjoy that the Gentiles too were being converted. But verse 4, let's read. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. Text says, but then, watch this, but then some of the believers who belong to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Let's keep reading. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. Come on, let's go. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from amongst among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by what? By giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Now watch this. I'm going to park here because another passage, they don't have time to go to right now, but there's another passage that says, because again, those Gentiles were skeptical, but what Peter says here is that God knows pe- people's heart and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. How did they know that God had given them the Holy Spirit just as he did to them? Well, in the other passage, it says they, he, they knew that he had given them the Holy Spirit because they heard him speak on the tongue as the Spirit gave the utterance. So the tongues was a sign for the unbelieving Jews that the Gentiles had the same experience that they had on the day of Pentecost. Are you following? So, 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 so we, we've covered that before, but I, but I won't give you a glimpse of that. So they knew that they had the Holy Spirit, but now watch what the text says. Let's keep moving. It says what? He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither, nor, neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Verse 11, we believe that we are all saved the same way. By the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Listen, baby, you saved by grace. I think it's Ephesians 2, and they say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace. I'm not saved by how good I am. I'm not saved because I was baptized. You can go down a dry devil and come up a wet devil. Is that right? Baptism doesn't save you. It's the first sign of obedience after you've been saved, after your heart has been changed. Baptism is an outward show to the world that I died to the old man and I'm resurrected to the new man. Okay? So they had this, this discussion that's going on. So ultimately they came to a conclusion to, of, of agreement. So I don't want to spend that much more time on this, but, but, but I want you to, to see this. Go, go to Galatians 2 with me right quick. Okay? Go to Galatians 2. So they, they, they end up resolving that issue. 
because they had to talk about it. Because, again, so, but, but some think that maybe John Mark was the one who went back and said, well, you know, he reaching these Gentiles here, and, and they're not having them to be baptized. I don't, I don't know. That, that's, that, we, we, I, that's speculation. But, but for whatever reason, he, he turned away uh, and left them on the first journey, and Paul wouldn't let them come back on the second one. So uh, Barnabas took him. Barnabas, the son of consolation, took his cousin, and they went their separate ways on their missionary journeys. Now, again, the work was still getting done even though they disagreed vehemently about who should go. So what, 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 I, what am I trying to say with that? Many times in the church, we may not agree on a certain thing, but ultimately, if we're following God, there should be reconciliation. Are y'all with me? There should be reconciliation. Watch what the text says here in Galatians 2, uh, verse 11 uh, through 14. Okay. Here we're going to see, uh, again, another confrontation because... We're going to see Peter here. And I think it's Paul is going to deal with him. He says, but when Peter came to Antioch, who's writing here? Paul. I'm telling you that confrontation takes place amongst spiritual leadership too. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him. How? Well, Paul said, I ain't, I ain't doing it behind his back. I ain't going to get on Twitter. And I'm going to get on Facebook and throw out at you. Paul, Paul said what? I had to pose him what? To his face. For what he did was very wrong. Well, what did he do? Let's, let's, let's check it out. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came from the mother church, from the big, from the big house, from the mega church. I'm just using my spiritual message. They came from the mega church. With 30,000 members. So it's got to be right if you come from the mega church, right? All right. I'm being facetious there, okay? Watch this. Who were not circumcised, but afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Here, here Peter the Jew, messing, having supper with, sitting down, fellowship with the Gentiles, the uncircumcised folks, Stacy, he was he was he had communion with them, but when the folks from the mother church came, when the Jews came, when when friends of James came, he wouldn't eat with them anymore. Kind of like some of y'all was in high school, you had certain friends, but when these other girls came, you left that friend alone. Some of y'all, some of y'all that shallow. Watch it, watch it. He was afraid. Watch this. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted. On the necessity of circumcision. They were trying to get them to, to, to adhere to the Mosaic law. When Jesus came to set them free from the law. Watch this. Next verse. Let's keep reading. Come on. I got to go. It says, as a result. Here's why this is dangerous. Other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. Other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy and even Barnabas, the son of consolation, was led astray by their hypocrisy. Messing with Gentiles, cool, eating together, hanging out together, and then when these Jewish Christian James friend came, oh, we, we can't hang out with y'all no more. Verse 14, 15, let's read. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all others, he did it in front of everybody else, so Paul confronted him in front of everybody else. If you do it publicly, confrontation needs to take place publicly. 
If while I'm preaching, one of y'all get up and cuss me out in this service, and then you come back and say I'm sorry in private. No, you got to come up public and say it. Because you cussed me out while I was preaching in front of the whole church. Right? Some stuff had to be rebuked openly because it was done openly. <laughs> so look, look what Paul says. Paul said, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentile follow the Jewish traditions? Watch what he says. He says, Peter, you're not even doing this. Let's read it again. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Huh? So, 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 so what happened? Well, following the Jerusalem counselor, you know, Peter came in and again, the visit with the Gentile believers. And, and, and again, he, he was, he was lavishly involved with them and they were, working together and ate freely with them and enjoyed the fellowship. But then when the, when the Jewish uh, friends of James came, he changed and, and Paul called them out on it. How many of y'all know sometimes it's, 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 it's good when with somebody who's in relationship with you, call you out on something. will confront you by the wrongdoing because they're trying to help you get to where you need to be in Christ Jesus. All right. So, 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 uh, but again, you know, we're going back to the, Paul and Barnabas and separating with John Mark. So we don't want to leave you there. Let's go, if you will. Um, uh, let's go to first Peter five and 13 right quick. Because it's going to first Peter five and 13. We know that Mark ended up close with Peter and, and wrote one of and, and ended up writing John Mark ended up writing one of the four gospels. And um, we, we're going to see, it says that your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings and this is Peter saying, and so does my son, Mark, talking about John Mark. If you will, uh, go to Colossians, the fourth chapter, verse number 10. We're going we're gonna to see here uh, that Paul, before he left this earth, developed a respect and a love for John Mark later on in life. The same John Mark who he said, Faith, you can't go. I don't, I, they disagree strongly, but we're going to see what he says here as he gets toward the end of his life. He says, Aristocars who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does Mark, to my John Mark, Barnabas' cousin, right? I told you they were kinfolk. As you were instructed before, watch this, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Okay? St. John Mark, uh, go to the KJV in that very same <laughs> verse there, okay? And let's, let's read from KJV. He says, he says uh, uh, salute you and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom you receive the commandments, if he come unto you, he says what? Receive him. Go to 2 Timothy 4, verse 11 through 13 with him right quick. Watch this. He said receive him. Previously he said, hey, he ain't going with us. All right, but he had to confront first, 2 Timothy 4, verse 11 through 13. And I got to move on here. Text says, only Luke is with me. This is Paul at the end of, getting toward the end of his journey. Bring Mark with you when you come. Same John Mark. Who he said can't come with us. Vehemently had a disagreement with Barnabas. He says, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me, what? In my ministry. Okay? 
in my ministry. Get, get John, Mark, and bring him. He's going to be helpful. Verse 12 and 13 says what? I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with carpets at trails. Also bring my books, especially my papers. But as he gets to the end here, he says, bring John Mark. He can, he's useful to me in ministry. So, guys, what, 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 what can we learn here? OK, because the split that happened was a confrontation because of John Mark's uh, quitting on them in their missionary journey. And so Paul felt strongly about it to the point to where he, he says he can't come with us. Now, maybe Barnabas, the son of consolation, says, I want to give John Mark an opportunity to redeem himself. So who was right, John Mark? I mean, who was right, Barnabas or Paul? I'll say both of them are right. Because there's some time when, when people don't measure up or they're not where they need to be, sometimes they're not prepared for the next stage in the ministry. But at other times, even though they're not prepared, you need somebody to go and say, okay, listen, you messed up, but come on, I'm going to bring you along with me. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to get you to the point where you need to be in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all have had somebody who, come in, who came and got you when you messed up? But this confrontation, had it not taken place, maybe John Mark would have still been out there, one who, who quits on, 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 on ministry work. So, so what can we learn from this? Write these things down. These are not on your notes, but write this down real quickly, okay? What can we learn from this? Number one, our past mistakes don't have to define our future. Our past mistakes do not have to define our future. And make that personal. Say, my past mistakes do not have to define my future. See, God constantly works within us to make us more like him. No matter the extent of our failure, we should learn from it and allow God to continue to work out his sanctification process in us. It's never too late. So, number one, our past mistakes don't have to define our future. The enemy will keep your past mistake before your eyes because he's trying to discourage it. Number two, listen to this real carefully. If you mess up in ministry... Or in life, if you mess up in ministry or in life, don't ever feel like you can't get back in the game. Hear me? Hear me. If you mess up in ministry or in life, don't ever feel like you can't get back in the game. Mark was a, John Mark apparently was a late bloomer. And maybe some of y'all were late bloomers in ministry and late bloomers in, in getting, getting your act together, getting yourself together. Sometimes God works in people for years with, with, with many failures along the way before they really get ready to, to go forth in ministry. So even though you may have messed up along the way, today is a new day. Are y'all with me? Okay. So if you mess up in ministry or in life, don't ever feel like you can't get back in the game. Number three, it's never too late. Listen to me. It's never too late to reconnect with someone you let down. It's never too late to reconnect with someone you let down. Because we've all failed someone in our past. It's the time that we, we spent and allowed God to sanctify us, can, can, can heal us. Because again, I tell you before, sanctification is a three-part process. We, first of all, we are sanctified, set apart for God's use the moment we become saved. But we are being uh, purified and sanctified every day as we live and get the word in us and allow the word to cut stuff out of us that shouldn't be. So we have, we have, we have, we have positional sanctification, right? 
And we have that, that, that process of sanctification that takes place on a daily basis. The, more, the longer we live in Christ Jesus, the more we should look like him. And then we'll have perfect sanctification when we see Jesus face to face. Right? When we see him face to face, we're going to be just like him. So it's never too late to reconnect with someone you've let down. And lastly, it's never too late to forgive someone who you let down. Who, uh, forgive someone who you let down. Who let you down, I'm sorry. It's never too late to forgive someone who let you down. Okay? Just like, you know, we've all failed someone else. We've also had someone fail us. So sometimes people go years without speaking because of, of falling out. Listen, uh, listen, you, you get enough teaching here, EBC members, that you ought not have nobody in your family or who you've been in a relationship with that you ain't speaking to. Y'all look at me. You get enough teaching here where if you're going out not speaking to family members or co-workers or fellow church members because of some issue that happened 10, 15, 20 years ago, you in sin. Because you're being taught. Well, I just, I just can't get, get over it. The way you're going to get over it is stay in the word of God and in prayer and allow God to deal with you. If you are, listen to me carefully, hear me ABC member, if you're sitting there and it's, it's, it's on you, you can't control them. If they don't want to speak to you, that's, that's, I mean, that ain't your problem. Where God has a problem with us is when we know better. We do better. Are y'all listening to me? God is talking to us because we want a healthy church. I want you to be healthy. And it's not healthy when you hold that stuff in and you in, in 10, 15 years ago, and you still you still it's still it's still just bothering you, percolating on the inside of you. And you can't seem to get rid of it. You can't get rid of it because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have it. He says, cast all of your cares upon him for he does what? So throw that stuff over on, on the Lord and get it, get it out, get it out your head, and out your heart. Are you all with me today? Now, get back to our, our outline here. OK, so confrontation will take place. It will take place. So, so I, we left off talking about common problems with confrontation, fear of rejection, uh, self-doubt and insecurities. You know, we say stuff like maybe I'm too, just too sensitive. Maybe it's probably my fault. I, I should just love them out of it, et cetera. You know, when we start saying stuff like that, sometimes our self-doubt and insecurity uh, will sometimes cause us to enable Others, you know, you, you, I told you before, you can, you can enable your loved ones. You can enable them to keep doing what they're doing. You can, you can enable them to the point to where they reach the height of irresponsibility because they know you're going to come in and bail them out. And then they'll never start making, they'll never become responsible. They'll never start pursuing God because they got you stepping in God's way. God is trying to discipline, trying to get them where they need to be. But every time they, they, they mess up and do something crazy, you stepping in and trying to, to, to bail them out of you, enabling them. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better to allow them to flourish and to grow because they're learning how to trust God and do things on their own? I was reading something uh, as it relates to Kobe Bryant. There was an article talking about how he was close to his sisters. But he said, here's what the article said. The article said he got close to his sisters when he stopped giving them money. Because he was, you know, you know, he's a millionaire basketball player, and he was just cutting a check to his sisters. 
And he said, until he released them from that, now he had some other stuff going on, even with his mother. His mother, he had a, a deal. Some of y'all may remember reading that about his mother. His mother was selling his, 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 his basketball mem- memorabilia. And they had, they had a confrontation about that. But his sisters, he said they got closer. Their relationship was close when he stopped feeding them money. And they had to, you know, they were degree people, had college degrees, but he was giving them money. And they never did fulfill their destiny until he stopped supporting them financially. Some of y'all are hurting your children by feeding them into that irresponsible behavior. And you keep waiting for them to change, but they're not changing because you're you the problem. I know that may sound tough, but you're the problem. And they'll never be responsible as long as you're sitting there picking them up out of their irresponsibility. They may get mad at first, but you know what? In the end, they're going to thank you. They said, Dad, you know, I, I appreciate you. know, I, I, I thought that you were the enemy when you cut me off. <laughs> but you, you really were my best friend. And God used you to help me be responsible. Okay? Amen? So, 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 so don't let your insecurity and self-doubt cause you to enable somebody who you're in a relationship with. Confronting others... Let's still be careful. Confronting others doesn't mean we are right and have no faults. It simply means we are being honest. So when somebody confronts you about something, it don't mean they're perfect and they don't have any faults. Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Am I right about it? So self-doubt, we talk about presumption. Some common problem with confrontation, presumption. Uh, in other words, we, we presume that they won't receive us. That we, we presume that they'll never change. So again, under number three, note, we are not responsible for deciding how others will respond to us. We are responsible to be obedient to God. I'm going to tell you that again. Quit, try, quit worrying about how they're going to respond to you. They may get mad at you. may not want to speak to you, but you do what God told you to do. Amen? Watch this. Go with me, if you will, uh, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4. Another problem. Ephesians 4, verse number 25. Sometimes we, we delay confrontation. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Glory to God. Let's, I, I tell you what, let's go back to, if you will, to verse 17. Go to verse 17 real quickly. Come on, let's go. Y'all still with me? Watch this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Who's writing here, guys? Who's he writing to? The church of the, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. Notice what the Bible says. With, this, with the Lord's authority, I, I say this. Paul says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Gentile here is re- referencing unsaved people. Okay? Watch this. Unsaved people, their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life God, from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Watch this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, watch this. Throw off your old sinful nature. In your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
Now, guys, all of us came into the saved life with our own sinful nature coming tagging right along with us. As long as we're in this body, we got to deal with this flesh. But we can overcome it with the power of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of us. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Point three, instead, do what? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. We're talking about attitudes on Sunday, haven't we? Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 25 is what we're going to. Watch this. Christians, he's talking to the church. What did he tell them? Stop telling lies. Does that mean there's some lying Christians in the church? Yes. Absolutely. There will be no need for Paul to say stop telling lies. He's talking to the church. How many of y'all lie on the regular? Okay, don't, don't even raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. He tell, guys, he tells the church stop telling lies. Let us Tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same. Why are you going to lie to me? You're lying to yourself when you lie to me or other members because we're all part of the same body. Well, you know, but Pastor, I, I, I would have made it, but you know, but I had to work late. You, you did. You worked five minutes late. You got off at four o'clock, four or five. Technically, what you said was true. You did work late, but that late working didn't prevent you from coming to the event. <laughs> Have y'all ever done that before? Stretch the truth. Yeah, I worked late past five minutes. You could have been there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just say I didn't pass. I'm going to just be honest. I just didn't feel like coming. I said, bless him. I'm going to pray for you. Because we got to get you out of there, okay? Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Watch this, 26 and 27. Let's go. And don't sin by... Letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Four steps in verse 27. Right, Just, just jot these down up on there. Under this delay. Don't deny or suppress your anger. You know, anger in and of itself, when it's the right type of anger, is not sin. Anger is an emotion. So because you got angry, got mad, don't mean you were in sin. Because if he says, be angry and sin not. So that means I can be angry and not sin. But let me tell you something. You got to be careful because oftentimes anger will lead to sin. When you, you get mad and start cussing, you're in sin. When you get mad and start throwing stuff, you're in sin. When you get mad and start degrading and talking bad about somebody, call them everything but a child of God, you're in sin. But there is something that's called righteous indignation. We ought to be mad at sin. We ought to be mad at wrongdoing without us getting to wrongdoing and getting to sin. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So, so don't deny or suppress your anger. Number two, don't sin or excuse sin because of your anger. Well, you know, I hit him because I was mad. Oh, so that makes it okay. No, don't sin or excuse sin because of anger. Number three, don't delay in dealing with the issue. 
Maybe a few hours to get your emotional control, but don't, don't let a whole week go by before you deal with the issue. Don't delay in dealing with the issue. Y'all with me? And don't allow the devil to have access into your thought life. Don't let the devil have access into your thought life and interpret other people's motives or character or what they're going to do in the future, their future behavior. Let me say it again. Don't allow the devil to have access into your thought life and interpret other people's motives, character, and future behavior. Because we're, we're bad about that. We, we, we think we know what they meant. But we, we hope that they understand that what we meant. We know what we meant. Well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, maybe that person didn't mean it that way. But yeah, yeah, you did. You wouldn't have said it. But you said something that was because you were angry, you were emotional, that you really didn't mean it the way it came out. You never heard of that before? But it's, it's amazing how we think other folks' stuff think worse than ours. Guys, don't let the devil get in and begin to access your thought life and, you know, bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So the note that we have on that is delayed confrontation causes us to lose control over our emotions and act out of our emotions and, and act out of our emotions in unhealthy ways. OK, so, you know, don't be, be careful about that. OK, so number five, improper confidentiality. Common problems with confrontation. In other words, improper confidentiality is, in other words, commit to confidentiality as long as it doesn't compromise your spirituality. If you come to me and tell me you robbed the bank and killed five men and expect me to keep that confidential, I'm not going to do that. Because I ain't going to jail for you. Are you with me? Well, you know, we got, we got, you, you, you got, no, 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 no. Okay, that's improper confidentiality. Are y'all with me? And then I'm gonna hide you. Come on, I'm not gonna hide you because if I hide you, they come, they're gonna throw me in jail. I love you, but I don't love you that much. Number six, common problems with confrontation. People start using prophecy and other spiritual means to communicate indirectly or to the wrong people. You up here praying and prophesying your feelings. Huh? Or using God's name in vain by saying, you know, God said, Tiffany. <laughs> don't do that. And I tell you before, don't 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 couch a prayer request as a way to tell somebody's business. You know, but Pastor, you know, I thank the Lord, you know, that, that, that he kept me, he, he's been keeping me calm. Because, you know, Pastor, you know, uh, so-and-so said this to me uh, the other day, but, you know, and, and, and she was wrong, though, but, but I thank God he kept me. <laughs> this don't told the whole church. Rather than going to the person and dealing with the issue, we try to use prayer requests and prophecy and what God said to throw out. Don't do that. Okay. And number seven, being harsh and reactive, you know, being harsh and reactive. That's a, that's that's a that's a common problem with confrontation, being harsh and reactive. Don't wait till you get so angry and mad that you about to pop before you confront an issue. Because then they don't tell them what's going to come out. OK, so guidelines for confrontation. Let's, let's roll through these real quick. OK, 
Number one, it needs to be timely. Are y'all with me? It needs to be timely. Begin with affirmation. Affirm the person. Hey, listen, man, I, I love you. You're like a brother to me. And, 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 and even as, as we discuss this issue, we're still going to be brothers. Or we're still going to be, uh, you, you're my sister in the Lord. And because we addressing this issue don't mean that our relationship is going to go. I love you with the love of the Lord. And, and, and you're a blessing to me. You're a blessing to this ministry. But let's, let's talk about it. I got to deal with this issue. Now, what you did the other day was, was really not very God-like, and I want to share that with you. Because you're leading the church, and that's, that, that's not, that was not good what you did. Okay? So we got to address that issue. But I want you to know, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and we're going to move past this. We're not going to allow this to be a, a, hind- a stumbling block in our relationship. Okay? You affirm the person first. Deal with the issue and then come back and affirm him again. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about confrontation because, again, you don't just go in and just blasting them. Because, you know, people make mistakes. People mess up. You mess up. I mess up. Okay? So begin with affirmation. Don't accuse unless you are certain about the issue. Share how you feel because of the situation. But don't automatically accuse somebody of something that you don't really know. You can, you can tell, well, when you did that, I felt this way. You can feel, listen, feelings are real, but feelings may not be truth. You felt that way, yes, that's genuine. You felt that way, but that wasn't the truth. Amen? Is this making sense? Because some of us go in there, and we think because we felt it, that had to be what was the real deal. And sometimes it's not the real deal. Okay? Listen and let the other party respond. When you're confronting, stop interrupting. How many of y'all bad about that? Won't let them get finished. You, you're jumping in the middle of it. I Let them finish. I'm working on that. Because <laughs> I feel like I got something to say, and I want to say it. You know what I want? My wife tells me I got to work on that. How many of y'all spouses told you you got to work on that? All right, so... Listen and let the other person respond. Speak the truth in love, the Bible tells us. I think it's Ephesians 4 and 15, I believe. Speak through love. Don't raise your voice. When you're confronting, don't raise your voice. How many of y'all got a problem with that? Come on. Scripture says a soft answer turns away wrath. But grievous words do what? Stir up anger. So when are you going to start believing it? And when are you going to start doing that? If a soft answer turns away wrath and you loud and boisterous, guess what? You're not doing the wisdom of the scripture. Okay? So don't raise your voice. Call people names. And respond in kind if the other person is negative when you confront them. Because sometimes it can be a little difficult to keep your, keep your tongue at bay, can it? When they start shaking their head, and I know you ain't come to me with this kind of statement. But... Huh? Then all of a sudden, you, you forget what you've been taught and thought, forget nice. You come right back at them, don't you? Everybody said, that ain't right. I'm just trying to teach you. Okay? Because we, we got to have a spirit of Christ. We got we to we love on people 
And we, if we learn to do this the right way, we can we can have stuff. We can address issues without it tearing the church apart or tear, tearing you and that relationship apart. In with affirmation, forgiveness, repentance, etc. Okay. Okay. So what's the fruits of confrontation? Well, you, you have peace, first of all, because you won't have that stuff bubbling inside that you wanted to share and want to talk about, but you never did. You just packed it down. When, you, when that stuff, when you can't deal with an issue, you don't have peace. But I promise you this. The Bible says, thou will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee when you trust in him. So the fruits of confrontation is we get peace, we get trust. Fear of God begins to, 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 to rule our life. We have deeper relationships and we have unity of the spirit. When we learn how to do this stuff. Now, we, we did we did this series a few years back on how to have a crucial conversation. I, w- I would challenge you to 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 go back and grab that and listen to some how to have a crucial conversation. Because learning how to have a crucial conversation uh, will help you to to be able to confront issues. OK, so the penalties of not confronting well, you you going to have anger. It's going to be mistrust. There's going to be gossip. There's going to be broken and strained relationships. Sinfulness will be in, 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 in the house. Division and disloyalty will be in the house. Y'all with me? On many different levels in life, guys, we must learn to confront in a loving and biblical manner. This is crucially important, especially for family members and church family members. Because I, I know some, you know, sometimes you get crossways with people in the church. The more time you spend together with people, the greater the chance that, that there's going to be some discomfort in the relationship. <laughs> Maria and I oftentimes say this, uh, and, and we've, we've observed this over the years, because we, we work with choirs even when we were, before we, we were in college and we were up in Haynesville working with the choirs. The choir meets every week. And they spend more time together as an auxiliary probably than, than any others. And so, and, and that's where the, 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 the devil started in the choir. Y'all know that, right? And it's like choirs and praise teams is where more stuff jump off. Because you, you, you're spending more time together. You got a great opportunity to, to have a, a meshing or a disagreement. But learn how to, you know, so learn, but learn how to, to, to confront things the right way and stop, stop letting your feelings drive you. Some of y'all are so, some of y'all are too, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of y'all are too sensitive for your own good. And God's trying to use you, but you get your feeling hurt so easy, you just take your Bible and go home. I need some grown-ups in here. Let me say it again. With what God wants to do through EBC, I need, and God needs all of us to grow. And be man and woman enough to address issues. Even if, if, if listen, even if, if 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 you're not sure if you're right or wrong, address the issue and get bring wise counsel in. If you come ask me, I'm gonna tell you what Scripture says, and I'm gonna give you my honest opinion, my honest assessment. If I'm gonna tell you, yeah, you were being a little child. I, I, I say it nice, I do. I'm much nicer in person than I am from the pulpit. I really am. I mean, you know, sometimes, I, sometimes I think I'm too soft on some of y'all. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Because I love you. And I want to see you grow. Some of y'all got to get your feelings off your shoulders. Quit being hurt all the time. 
and, a, and confrontation will help you stop being hurt. Because you can get it out. Everybody say get it out. All right. Um, it isn't just a matter of obedience to God. It's a matter of living a peaceful and productive life without constant stress and problems. It's also a matter of having a body of believers qualified to multiply and be blessed by God. See, so the end result in this area is that we create a culture of health and honesty in the church. And in that culture, healthy relationships build and people flourish in an atmosphere of trust and loving accountability. So that's why we've been talking we, we, this this year. We're going to do the kingdom discipleship study by Dr. Tony Evans. I shared that with you. And it's, it's important for us to learn about kingdom disciples because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. But you can't go and make disciples if you don't learn how to connect with people. If you don't learn how to get comfortable talking with people, dealing with people, spending time with people. And I know some of y'all, that's, you know, that's something we all got. I have to work on it, too. All right. But if we're going to make disciples, that means that disciple making can sometimes be a little messy. It's a little more difficult. And it calls it calls it costs us something to be a disciple. It don't cost you a whole lot just to be a church member. But if you're going to be a disciple maker, that means that you're going to spend time with people. There will be people who are not going to think like you sometimes. There will be people who are going to mess up and make you mad. So, so do, you, do you stop discipling because they made you mad? No. If that was the case, you remember Jesus. How many times did Jesus get on the disciples? I mean, he called them out a bunch of times. He said, you guys, couldn't you just... The demon had cast him out. But he still... Stuck with them, right? So just because you mess up don't mean the relationship ends. And that's what we got to get to. Healthy confrontation will help our church to be healthy. So let's learn how to do that. Don't run. Some people run rather than confronting. Don't run. Let's have healthy relationships, okay? Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.